Check one, two, one, two. How do I sound? Sound good. About the same as I was before? I guess, yeah. Okay. Make me laugh. I don't want to make you laugh. It's your job to make me laugh so I can test myself. Why is your pillow fort so shoddy? That's not shoddy That's not fort. funny. No, it's not. Shoddy construction is never funny, Solomon. Then you so can make you can make a pillow fort, huh? You can do it. God. <laughs> Welcome back to the Why Do I Talk To You podcast. I am still, for some reason, Saul Starship 4. And I'm still Dave Gamer Dave Naple. <sighs> so at the time of us recording this, it's like getting close to the Thanksgiving holiday, you know, getting close to when uh, things get a little bit hectic for, for myself and I'm sure for Dave as well, going closer to the, the Christmas holidays. So... We wanted to sit back, and we wanted to relax with a with a fond video game of nostalgia. Your that probably only like half of that. No, none of you have ever heard of this game. Probably. I don't know about that. It got some traction. It. I mean, it was kind of a big deal in the video game scene, but it has definitely faded into obscurity as time has gone on. Yeah. Okay. It it hasn't stood the test of time. No. <laughs> Uh, if if you're completely oblivious by now what it is, we're talking about Epic Mickey. Yep. Uh, just to preface, this is not going to be a rant. <laughs> uh, we don't hate this game, but we do have some issues with it, which we, we don't, don't have to talk about. It's just like a thing. Like, I don't know. We don't like love this game. It's just a weird part of our history and kind of a video game history. Yeah, because there was a lot of preamble before this as well. It was, it was actually kind of a big deal at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Dave and I specifically wanted to talk about this because we, both of us have, have history with this actually together as well. It was nice. Yeah. Uh, this, this game came out in the year 2010. Um, Dave got it in, as a Christmas gift, right? I think so. Yeah. I remember right. Uh, I, you know, we were talking about it, of course, because like we said before, it was kind of making a big deal in the video game world. Yeah. Cause Mickey was back. Mm -hmm. Like it was kind Disney video games. It's like any movie tie-in or like cartoon tie-in video game. Like they weren't ever super great. Like you saw them and you're like, yeah, that was probably bad. But there was a time, there was a time back in like the 16 and 8-bit era where they were like actually pretty good. Like you had DuckTales, which is still a classic. Uh, you had Capcom making lots of Disney video games like... Mm. Um, <laughs> Like Aladdin, which is a classic for both of us. Um, God, what was, there were like a couple different Mickey ones. Um, one of them I grew up with, and I still can't remember what it was called, made by Mickey, uh, where you'd like change like the magic suit and like the rock climbing. Mickey's Magic Quest. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And there was like a sequel to that, which was like fine. But then like mixed in, you had like the weird ones made by like Virgin Airlines <laughs> mobile no. data, like whatever they were at the time. The most infamous, I think, is Lion King. Yeah, and that game even isn't, like, terrible, but it's also notoriously... Difficult. Weird. Like, yeah, difficult is really what it is, but there's a lot of just weirdness to it. And, like, the Jungle Book, <laughs> other weird Virgin mobile airline games. Um, so... Yeah, and then after that, it was kind of like you just kind of knew that movie tie-in games were going to be bad. And, like, Disney Interactive was a company that made video games for Disney, but, like, really you mostly knew them as the company that got their name slapped on Kingdom Hearts 
after Square Enix did all the hard work. <laughs> so this was kind of at like the height of the Wii's popularity, where it's like the Wii's bringing mainstream people back into video games. Yeah, Disney's like, we want a part of that. And so Epic Mickey came into being. So the other big side of this coin, too, of Epic Mickey is the re- uh, the re the homecoming of Oswald yeah. the Lucky Rabbit to the Disney property. Yeah, the 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 very abridged version of this whole story goes is that Oswald the Lucky Rabbit was was one of Disney's creations before Mickey Mouse. Pretty, I mean, it's pretty much credited as like his first creation. Yeah, like his first successful one. And back then, he was under contract with uh, you know, which is now NBC Universal, uh, and he made cartoons with that. And then, you know, business is this, business is that, terms was changing and whatnot, and, and Disney was not uh, a fan of that anymore. So basically, he just left the character with with Universal. Yeah, he, like, left, but there was some language in the contract where they They owned, could still keep it. They yeah. owned Oswald. Like, he didn't and, have the rights to Oswald And anymore. they did try to keep... Uh, making Oswald, they did make keep making Oswald cartoons and other oh, iterations. They? Yeah, they did. I kind of assumed he just became like Gino, where they had the rights to him and they just wouldn't give. It oh back. no, they kept trying, and he was in comics and stuff. You should see some of these pictures. Like, completely not what he looks like nowadays. Like, they made huh. him look like more like an actual cartoon rabbit. Interesting. Than like Bizarro Mickey, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um. So basically, after that, Walt Disney went off and he made his own company. And he made his new character, Mickey Mouse, which is what we know of today. Yeah. Um, years and years and years later, uh, Bob Iger, the still current CEO of Disney, or president of Disney, rather, um, uh, uh, you know, negotiates some terms with NBC. Yeah, so... Oswald now, you I don't know, if you're in California, you see him a lot at, like, DCA, like, Disney California Adventure. Like, he's sort of become part of the aesthetic there with, like, all the classic cartoons and stuff. But for, man, how long was it that they didn't have rights to him? Like, 80 years? Something uh, ridiculous like that? Like, probably close to 90 years. Yeah. I think this is, like, the 1920s we're talking about. Yeah, I think so. And it was, act it was actually for the pitch for this game where it was brought up to Bob Iger, and they're like, we want to do something with Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, like, we want to make this game sort of centered around him, and he was like, I wish we could, but we can't, because we don't have the rights. And so it was sort of following, snowballing after that, that he was like, yeah, let's get Oswald back in here. So there were a lot of other terms in this negotiation, but the two major items in this trade was NBC Universal would give back Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and among other things... Disney would be handing over the famous sportcaster, Al oh Michaels. Michaels. What a weird transaction. <laughs> I think the story goes he had just signed up with Disney, too, because ESPN had just got Monday Night Football or something like oh, that yeah. from NBC. Yeah. And, like, almost as soon as they signed him, they're like, yeah. You're going to NBC now, buddy. <laughs> and <laughs> from is, what I read, like, at least his, the public comments he made of it was sort of yeah. like, yeah, okay. I mean, I get it. Like, yeah. I, 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 It's been a very good sport about it. He's like, you know, not many people get traded for, like, Walt Disney's, like, registration. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. That's at least what I've seen. On the inside, he's just sort of like, are you are you kidding? I'm a human being. <laughs> well, now he knows how all those sports players who he cast feel when they get traded. <laughs> Uh, so, so that, I mean, again, I'm sure there was a lot of other corporate, you know, hoo-ha going down, but yeah. like th those are the two major ticket items. Yeah. So as a result of that, Disney now can include Oswald in their game and in other properties as well. Yeah. Um, 
And what came of that was not much, but, you know, hey, they... they... I mean, like I said, he shows up a lot in, like, the old-timey cartoon style. I see him at, like, DCA all the time. He's got hats with, like... Oswald's like repair service is what I see all the time. Yeah, he yeah. Owns, like a vehicle repair. I don't know, man. Yeah. So, all right. Got to so, make a living. So again, as because of that and a cup and some other things that Dave mentioned, this game had a lot of not a lot, but it had a great amount of hype behind it. It was going to be the next biggest thing, um, and like Disney's like greatest game like ever and yada yada. Yeah. Uh, Dave got it that Christmas when it came out. Yeah. And. Um, I I I had a Wii at the time, but I wasn't. Uh, we were in college, and so I I had no time for video games, um, and so I didn't really have much interest in getting it, or, or even if I had any time to play it. But Dave, like after seeing like what was you know contained in the game and kind of like what it had, was really like this game seems like it was made for you, Saul. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Like I mean, I know it it's Disney. Was. I know it's Disney, but like it's really he was all like you should just like come over and just like play it sometime i'm like yeah okay fine why not um and so i did one time and the house that he was living and then we just played it not from top to bottom because i don't think we had enough time for it no but that became like a a weekly thing for us yeah it was like a ritual yeah that i always sort of look forward to saul coming over (laughs) i'd come over to his place and we'd play epic mickey yeah it kind of started where like i was playing and you were watching and like Kind of slowly be like, you'd take a little turn, and then eventually, over time, it's like, you were playing more than me, and then it was just like, I was just like, you know what, you just played this game, so and I'll just watch. That's definitely <laughs> what it were, turned into. You were having a good old time. Yeah, I was having a good <laughs> old time. Um, and Dave is right, also. The game was definitely meant more for me than for Dave. Yeah. Um, but it was still a wonderful experience. Yeah. Well, there was one experience in particular we'll get to eventually, but that I, I can never, ever forget. But it was nice because I remember, like, you know, because at that time, Dave was still living on campus-ish, and I was no, not. I was, I, was, yeah. I, was a, I was a commuter. Yep. So anytime I spent at the campus or like at somewhere else that wasn't spent doing homework or practicing or whatever like that was or in the music building. Yeah. <laughs> kind of made me feel a little anxious. Cause I'm like, I, sh- I probably should be doing something else. Like I probably <laughs> should be, but you know what? I used to spend a lot of time at his place yeah. doing this. I spent a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and I don't regret a single minute of it. Yeah. It was um, a lot of fun. So, um, why don't we get started? Yeah. I mean, where do you want to, should we talk a little bit about like the game direction and like, because that was kind of a big deal behind the hype, too, was the guy who wound up directing this game. What's his name, Dave? <laughs> Wait, I got this wrong earlier. <laughs> Warren Spector. Hey, Is that right? Yeah. You're actually right, yeah. So Warren Spector was a, he's a, obviously, a, he's a Western video game designer who before this was mostly known for games like uh, Ultima, Wing Commander, and his biggest recent project was Deus Ex, which was really sort of touted by the community as, like, a very artistic game that sort of emphasized, like, choice and, like, created, like, a sci-fi world that was really interesting and emphasized the character and stuff like that. So I think he had just broken from whatever um, company he had been working with and had created his own studio, which I believe was called Junction Point. Uh, and so Disney came to him and like, we want you to make this game about Mickey and Oswald. And he was like, all right, I guess. So they bought out his company, made it a part of their video game development decision, uh, Disney Interactive, and he was the one in charge of it. So that being said, he 
he decided to, I don't know if this was something they already had in mind and they were like, Warren Spector's the guy to do it, or if he decided to add it after he was added to the project, but he just sort of decided to make this a game where your choices matter and there was sort of a morality system. So that sort of became the heart or part of the heart of what this game was, um, along with being just a massive love letter to classic Disney fans. Absolutely. The, uh, when I when I go deeper into like my analysis of this game, what I like and what I don't like, I suppose, in the end, what you're going to find is that I believe this game to be flawed. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a bad game. If anything, it's it's it. The needle is is drifting towards the good side, honestly. Um, but there are some flaws getting in its way that just really make me sort of second guess if ever I want to play it again. <laughs> so first, let's talk about the aesthetic of it because that's a huge part of it. Yeah, this game, um, the the bulk of the gameplay takes place in what's known as Wasteland, which is a very which is a twisted steampunk. Uh, iteration of Disneyland. Would you call it like Tim Burton Disneyland? I guess. You said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, anytime you see something sort of like, you know, cookie or like anything weird like that, you're going to compare it to Tim Burton because yeah. he created it. But I do think it's more steampunk than Tim Burton, though. Okay. Um, you know, tons of gears and stuff, tons of yeah, like machinery of and stuff, you know. So I, I think it drifts more in steampunk than it does uh, Tim Burton, you know? Yeah. Um, but either way it is a, it's a twisted version of Disneyland. And this is exactly why Dave said this game was more meant for me yeah. than for him, because I'm a gigantic Disneyland nerd. Yeah. Specifically um, a Disneyland. <laughs> like, I mean, like I love Disney too, but like, but he like loves mm, Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I could do like a three hour podcast episode solo <laughs> yeah. on, on Disneyland. I'm but sure you could. There's a there's one spot in particular because the main hub of Disneyland is called Main Street. And the main hub of of this of Wasteland is called Mean, mean Street. Street. Yeah. Ooh. Most of the area names are like plays on what the names of the lands in Disneyland are. I didn't like the name Mean Street. It sounded too edge lordy, <laughs> but everything else was nice. But anyways, um uh, there's there's one part in particular in in Mean Street where there's an ice cream parlor, which which basically is a shop. Yeah. Uh, where you can get some stuff there. Um uh <laughs> obviously directly paralleling the ice cream street or ice cream store on Main Street. The Gibson Girl ice cream parlor. Uh-huh. Did you know it was called that? No, babe? I didn't know it was called that. Why would I know it was called that anyway? So uh, you go into the game and you go in there and there's a there's a weird-ish looking jade elephant inside of there. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, look, it's the jade elephant. And Dave was, oh, <laughs> uh, oh. Okay. He was genuine like, what are you talking about? I'm yeah. like, it's that jade elephant that's in the Gibson Girl ice cream parlor. Okay. <laughs> and then so the next so. the next time Dave went to Gibson Girl, which, you know, was I don't know how much longer later. Didn't yeah. you see it? Yeah, I saw well, I think it has since been removed, it which is has. kind of especially sad. But I, I do remember the next time I went, I looked for it and saw it and I was like, Oh hell be darned. He's right. <laughs> there was a weird Jade Elephant in this ice cream store. And that that was probably the moment where Dave knew that I was I was a hopeless case when yeah. it when it came for Disneyland too. Yeah. Um but also that like that okay, this game is meant for Saul, you know. Yeah, <laughs> because they have not for me. Because they have these details in there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many of the in fact all the worlds, well, except for maybe one of them, um, 
deal with um, or like kind of take their inspiration from Disneyland lands Mm -hmm. and some Disneyland rides. Mm -hmm. Um, The the first place you go to is like a fantasy land type area with like some broken carousel rides and, you know, like like the the cups. Yeah, the broken teacups and like a broken like Dumbo carousel ride. Mm -hmm. Um, And but the main part of that land is a broken. It's a small world. Yeah. um, Which Which also being the first. Oh, man, that's creepy. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, really weird. But the, the, you know, uh, yeah, there's a small world area. There's a haunted mansion uh, area. There's arguably a Matterhorn area. Yeah. Uh, The last land you go into is called Dark Beauty's Castle, which is Sleeping Beauty's Castle. Yeah. Uh, There's a Tomorrowland area. So it kind of covers all the bases here. It's like... what New Orleans Square? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, easier, yeah, that's where the the haunted mansion one is. Yeah. Too. Um. So that's the aesthetic. Um. Let's talk about the gameplay now. Uh. What? <laughs> is, is there more? Well, I, I, did you want to talk about the music at all? I mean, it's not music that you like remember and you're like singing to yourself, but it's all very atmospheric and it feels very Disney. Like the production quality of this game is obviously very high. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. It's not a soundtrack I'm going to be getting anytime soon, though. No, but it all sounds nice. Like, when we were listening to it, it was like, yeah, this is, I remember this. This was nice. Like, I didn't have anything bad to say about it. Did you? No. Yeah. But I also don't really have anything good to say about it. Well, I, I had some little good things to say, but I guess I said them already. So, it was nice. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Music done and done. <laughs> um, so the the gameplay of this, the biggest mechanic of this is that, um, you know, after you were sucked into the – I guess we didn't talk about how this happened, did no, we? No, we didn't talk about the story at all. We definitely should then. Okay. So uh, the opening cutscene starts. You're Mickey in your bedroom, and then you find out that you can end up going through your mirror. Mm-hmm. And when you go through your mirror, you end up into um, – who is now known as Yen Sid. Uh, if you don't know who that is, that is the sorcerer from the Sorcerer's Apprentice Fantasia tune. Mm-hmm. And Yen Sid has since appeared in other video games and other iterations like... Uh, Specifically Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. I think that's where he got his name. I think so too. Yeah. Because what is Yen Sid backwards, Dave? <laughs> Disney. Uh. <laughs> Do you know they did that with another character in Kingdom Hearts? Who? There's like Master Iraquas, which is square backwards. Come on. <laughs> Well, you know, they can't all be jokes. Okay, so you enter through a mirror into Yensid's workshop or whatever, where he is painting and, like, constructing um, a world for Oswald. Yeah. Uh, with, like, his magic paintbrush, which, like, can create and can destroy, depending on if you have ink or thinner. Again, uh, Mickey sort of, like, sneaks on through. Um, Yensid leaves his table for a second and then just, like, kind of goes up and is like, I want to paint something. And he tries to paint, like, a self-portrait of himself, and it goes bad, and he tries to thin it, and it doesn't work. It goes worse. And (laughs) and he spills ink everywhere, and he spills thinner everywhere. It's a blob thing he made. It's a blob thing he makes. And so he he runs away. Yeah, you know, like you do, I guess. (laughs) Wow, there's, like, this big dark evil whirlpool like creating like, the wasteland <laughs> i'm out of here and so so years pass because the the time that this starts mickey's like steamboat willy career hasn't started yet yeah but like years and years are going by and like he's like this big popular icon um eventually <laughs> the blot finally is like all right now it's time <laughs> i guess and, yeah. and goes to back through the mirror and like sucks mickey back into the world and here you are there you are into wasteland <laughs> yeah 
I mean, that's it. Well, as, I mean, as far as, as the far opening as the story, beginning. yeah. yeah that's all you get. Um, so uh, while you were being sucked in, you were able to grab the magic paintbrush, which is your primary weapon. There's a little bit of melee. Um, you know, you use it to like, you know, break open chests or like, you know, move like switches in your environment and to like briefly stun the the, the enemies that are in there. But the mm. main thing you get to do with the with the paintbrush is um, you can ink, which will actually like fill in platforms and walls and stuff inside of your environment or you can thin which will take them away yeah um which is that again is is the primary mechanic in here um to be able to like reveal new like open passageways and stuff by thinning or to like create more pathways for yourself by inking in yeah or just to feel nice and just like ink back in the whole area make it look slightly nicer yeah. you know um that also goes towards the enemies as well. Uh, the some enemies that are there called like blotlings, um, you can either thin them away until they're dead, you know, kind of like dip from Roger Rabbit. Yeah, it's like exactly what it's yeah. like. Yeah, it's, it's green too. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you can ink them up, which basically turns them good and onto your side, which means they become like your ally. They won't hurt you and they'll like smile at you and like actually salute at you. Uh, they even grow Mickey ears. I don't know if you ever noticed that. I actually didn't. Yeah, it's almost like they're wearing a Mickey hat instead. It's like you mind controlled them. Great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then they'll also um, uh, fight other enemies too that you haven't like inked up already also. Mm. So that choice also extends out into the boss fights as well um, because, you know, you can't melee your bosses. No. Um, basically, you can choose to thin out your bosses, um, you know, when the time is right, which will effectively kill them. Yeah. Completely take them away. Or you can ink them, which will... Make them nice. Make them nice. Yeah. This is, again, like a moral decision, though, because, uh, you know, unlike... I don't know if I should say that. What? Unlike other games, nameless games... Um, your decision won't make give you like a uh, an unhappy ending or a happy ending. Like you won't turn evil uh, if you choose to uh, thin well, more than you ink. You don't turn evil, but people like react differently towards you, don't they? No, like um, very minimally, and it does change the ending depending on like the bosses you ink and stuff. Like it's just the cutscene, but it changes it. It's not like Mickey turns evil, but it's. You know, it's not like you join the dark side and the like Star Wars. Well, that's RPG, what I mean. Like, no matter what, you get a happy ending. Well, Mickey kind of like, does, but then like the the wizard will like show you like look at the bad choices you made and how much sadder people are. Yeah, like, but I, I don't know if I don't know if does Oswald get his girlfriend back? Yes, kinda, does he? Yeah. Oh, okay. No matter what, hmm. I, I feel like there's some stuff there where like there's some endings where Oswald's still kind of bitter at you because you like kind of still mess things up a little bit. You could be right, but I don't think so. Yeah, I think there's something. It, cause it, it makes a big deal out of, like, moral choice and, like, thin or bad, paint good. Yeah, and it's very clear that's what it's trying to go for, too. Yeah, and I've, I've heard, we watched, like, a little review of this sort of the, to, like, re-spark our minds on, like, what this game was like. And it mentioned there were a few times where, like, the moral decision wasn't immediately obvious in some of, like, the quests. Do you remember that? I don't remember one off the top of my head, but I do remember like sometimes like, oh, geez, I didn't mean to. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which is what I think the reviewer meant when he said like it'll sometimes slip by like under your nose, like without mm. even realizing it. Mm. Sometimes it's like, you know, the quests were like, oh, I've lost my courage and these ghosts are scary. Can mm. you find it? It's a medal. <laughs> Where you okay. just sort of like, 
okay, clearly I'm going to – or and then I think somebody wants to buy it from you. Mm. So it's cl- it's clear what the moral ground is here, right? Yeah, You know, okay. so a lot of them are like that. Okay. Um, so anyways, um, also I believe like the more that you thin or the more that you ink, your ink capacity or your thin capacity rises. Yeah, I think it's when you beat a boss. If yeah. you beat a boss with ink, it'll give you like a power up to your ink. So it's like three little things on the side or what you start with for thinner and – paint mm-hmm. and then when you beat a boss with paint you get one more little container for paint so yeah. you you have more capacity for that so it sort of pushes you along whatever direction you already chose to go down mm-hmm. which is eh, it's okay game design it, it i don't yeah. know you it also have rewards a- you with what it thinks that you want to do but it also sort of like you could make one decision and then sort of feel like you're forced down that path for the rest of the game, kind of. Yeah. Like, like optimally, that's what you do, I guess. So. You also have um, uh, these guardians, these sort of like fairies that are like following you around, mm-hmm. like the more that you game. Um, and also they, they appear the more that you, you consistently use either ink or, or thinner. Um, and I think as you progress, you can get more and more of them. Um, but really what you can do with them is that you can like have them insta thin or insta ink, uh, an enemy uh, nearby you, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, when we do the end, en- when we talk about enemies right now, actually it gets really useful. So yeah. they're called blotlings and, you know, much like any other game platform, 3d platformer like this, the enemies can range from completely useless to difficult, but difficult in the way where it's just an inconvenience. Yeah, where it just takes you a long time. Mm-hmm. And there's not just the blotlings. There's, like, the mechanical ones, too. And I forget what they're called. Do you know the ones I'm talking about? No. There's, like, these mechanical ones where it's really obnoxious because... So, like, when I was playing, I remember I was doing, like, pretty much just ink. I was like, I'm going to be the good guy, so I'm going to ink everything. So, like, my ink capacity was high, but my thinner was, like, pathetically low. And so I was like, all right, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to use it. But, like, there's these mechanical enemies where you can't paint them. You have to ink them. And even – or you can't ink them. You have to thin them. And even when you thin them, it doesn't actually kill them. It just gets rid of, like, this outer coat, like, this protective outer coat. And then you, like, spin attack them or, like, jump on them or something. And it's kind of obnoxious because, like, if you have the low thinner – it's like you can run out pretty easily trying to kill these things. And it's not like you just squirt them a little bit. Like they take some time, kind of like some of the major blotling enemies you run into. Like you're just spraying these things like crazy. You're just like, all right, stop. I, I just want it. <laughs> and they like do things that where they'll just keep chasing you or like the big blotlings have this like vacuum inhale where they like prevent you from moving forward. It's like, okay, I just, just leave me alone. I, fighting you is not fun. Cause combat isn't fun. It's just like, you just spray them. You just squirt them until they stop. And it's like, okay, like, ah, er, that's enough of this. I, I just like to move on to the platforming exploration, which is actually fun, not just squirting some random blob things. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's an extremely fair assessment. Yeah. Uh, there are other ones that are like, there's one that's like a rolling ball that will like leave an ink, a, a thin trail behind him and stuff. And those are always just sort of hard to aim at. Mm-hmm. Um, aiming and it's all pretty much done by motion control and for like to its credit I don't remember hating the motion control elements no, this game no. I thought they were actually incorporated pretty well uh, this was this was a game that was released exclusively for Wii which was an interesting decision um, originally it was planned to be released 
for Xbox 360 and PS3. And then someone in development brought up the, like, sort of, you know, the opportunity to do it on Wii as well. And at first, like, no. But then they're like, well, we could do it just for Wii. And there's actually some elements that kind of make sense for it. So that's what they did. And it was kind of a big deal because it's Wii exclusive Disney. And there was, like, do you remember the paintbrush? Like, a limited edition Yeah, I Remo? do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad I didn't get those. Oh, come on. <laughs> but so, you know, it's you'd like point and like you spray and it's it's fine, but it's not fun. Like, I don't know. It works. It works. Yeah, but it you works. don't want to be doing it for too long at the same enemy. It works really nice for painting in the world and for exploration, but for combat it's just kind of like all right, it it works. And that's about it. There's one enemy who's like a big like explosion basically or like you know he all he does is that he explodes mm -hmm. um and it's like a huge thing too and it like it's it's sleeping so you have to sort of like oh, sneak up on it and basically guy. the only way you can do it is by throwing a guardian on him hmm. um which makes them very useful to be honest i use the guardians a lot um because they were just they made things convenient and mm -hmm. i forget like what the the parameters were to get a guardian i think like yeah, I the either. more you inked then one came by your side and i think you had a capacity of like three of them or something i think so yeah um so the guardians was a nice <clears throat> touch i think yeah. um uh but combat in general is whatever that was yeah. not the focus of this game the focus of this game was we haven't even talked about what you're supposed to be doing so like you're looking for power cells right yeah that's your primary. Why don't you talk about that? So basically, your your primary means of transport, going from world to world from your main hub, is through these projector screens. Um, these projector screens are based off of old Mickey cartoons, like Steamboat Willie and other other famous ones. Through the mirror or through the looking glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and when you go through them, it goes into a, a two point five D uh, sort of platforming challenge where there's no inking or thinning involved. It's just straight up platforming. Not very nice platforming, though. It's the kind of platforming where you step up to an obstacle. You wait for the obstacle to move. You go through. Next one. You know, it's always yeah. like that. You know, like It always forces you to wait for something to... Like, there's a lot of vertical ones, and they force you for something to, like, come down and pick you mm -hmm. up. And, like, if you miss it, then your punishment is you just have to sit there and do yeah. nothing. And if you fall down, you don't die, but your punishment is you got to do the whole thing again. Yeah, and a lot of times you fall down, like, several <laughs> levels at a time yeah. as well. And there, there's, like, horizontal ones, too, and they're not much better. No. I love the I loved the idea though because you know I'm not I'm not the most versed in all of like the old Disney shorts but I of course I am with Steamboat Willie. Sure. Um the music is also very much based on the music you hear in the yeah. in the tunes. All the aesthetics in them are very charming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I liked it at first. <laughs> but there's also no quick travel or teleport mechanic They as are well. the quick travel. So no matter unquote. so no matter what you have to go through them yeah. to get to these worlds. And a lot of times you have to do this a lot. Yeah. There was one particular fetch quest I had to do um, from Mean Street to Oztown, which is the Toontown of the world, mm -hmm. where, you know, I get the quest from from the detective in, the, in uh, Mean Street. I go to Oztown. That's like pretty early on in the game too, I mm -hmm. think. <laughs> I go to Oztown. I go through the, I think Oztown's one is uh, through the mirror. I think it's one of the, like, through the looking glass Yeah, ones. and so I go through it. I go to Oztown. And they're like, oh, can you find this for me? I think I left it in Mean Street. <laughs> so you go back. You have to backtrack, too. It's not a yeah. new thing. It's a backtrack. <laughs> um, so you go through it, and then you're back in Mean Street. And you're like, here's the thing. 
So then you go back into the projector screen and then you go back in there and they're like, oh, thank you so much. Here's the thing. And then you have to report back to the detective <laughs> in Mean Street. So you go through the projector screen again and then backtrack through it. And then finally you're done. Yeah. A lot of it was like this. I think that exact fetch quest happened when I was at your house doing it. I and think so, I yeah. was just like, you got to be kidding me. We're going to do this again. <laughs> and so, so that happens quite a bit. And like we said, to go, to get to anywhere, you have to go through here, yeah. which means that not all of them are available to you at that given point in time. So the majority of your quests are to find power cells, which power up the projectors onto the projector screens. And allow you to progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the power stars or the jiggies or what, yeah. what have you. It's one of those where like, you're like, oh, but we need these power cells to, you know, turn on the projector. Try asking some of the townspeople for help. Maybe yeah. they have some powers I was laying around. Oh. It, it's very quest-based. Like, you talk to people and they give you, like, a quest to go do. It, it's not as much straight exploration as, like, a Banjo-Kazooie or, uh, like, a task that, like, you get a hint. And, like, in Mario 64, it's, like, and it is very much based on sort of these old-school platformers. And when you're doing it as, like, a platformer and an exploration, it, it works fine mm-hmm. it works okay like like i said the paint and the thinner really open up the world to where you're paying attention to things that it's not always immediately obvious the things you can thin out like walls you can thin out to go into this building or like paintings you can thin and it's like oh there's like a small nook behind here where there's a collectible so it is a collectathon but it doesn't feel like a collectathon a lot of the time you know yeah it, it has good forward movement and the collectibles are fun to find and the world is fun to like paint and thin and like it's not like it's permanent like you thin something is gone forever you can paint it back up and make it look nice again and you know things like that so it's fun finding the things <laughs> you know so and they they do make it pretty easy like well not easy but they they keep it organized as much as possible for you as well yeah like whenever a new quest starts like a thing on the bottom will say like you know quest added you know find something something like that um, which then gets added to like a book that you can go back to in the start menu and just be able to review them. So a lot of times you have like five quests open at the same time, but you're yeah. not really under any obligation to go through them in order. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, because you might have a quest start at the beginning of the level that you won't be able to fulfill until like the end of the level anyways. Yeah. And meanwhile, you're going to pick up a lot of other quests at the same time as well. Um, I think the thing that makes it different from like a Banjo-Kazooie collectathon is because there's not like... You're not picking up bananas. You're not picking up coins or anything like well, that. Well, you're picking up e-tickets. Yeah, but that's also not like in a straight line path, which like or like you know shows you where you're supposed to go next and stuff. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing either. I'm just saying that that's what sort of makes Epic Mickey not feel like the common collectathon, even though everything else is there. A base yeah. amount of combat, and you know the MacGuffins you have to chase anyways, or the power cells. It, but it, it feels kind of open world, right? Like, because everything is sort of connected in this way where you go from one thing to the other and you get into a world and you sort of just, like, run around. You have to get, like, acquainted with it. And, like, yeah, there are quests that will change, like, things that aren't always there, you know? But it feels very open. Like uh, and it, I think calling it open world is pushing it. Well, look, we'll probably talk about this later. But if you can call Mario Odyssey, like, quote-unquote open world and, oh, look at all this freedom you have. Like, Epic Mickey does the same thing. Like, you get to a world and you can sort of run around and explore it. And, yeah, you talk to people and they give you quests. But it's, like, 
you can run around and like it's not like there's a straight line where you're going from place to place, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're know. right. Except when you're on the two point five. Well, yeah, that's why we don't like those. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Maybe that's why we really don't like those because it takes away your like full world like ability. Well, and the platforming isn't fun. No, it's not. <laughs> That, that makes a difference too. <laughs> um, okay, so there's that. Um, the I'll move on to the biggest issue I have with this game, and it has nothing to do with the game itself. His name is Cameron. His name is Cameron. He is literally the worst. He's just the worst. You know when people say like, you know, you're just the worst, right? No, Cameron. You know is, when that guy shows up at the party and he's like, ah, who invited Cameron? Uh, he's <laughs> exactly. just the worst. <laughs> he's just the worst. <laughs> You all know Cameron, right? Ugh. Everybody knows Cameron. Everybody knows Cameron. Everybody knows Cameron. If you've ever played a 3D platform video game, you know Cameron. You know Cameron. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you've met a good Cameron. Yeah. There's decent. Sometimes he has a good day. There's some good. Yeah, he has a good day sometimes. Mario Odyssey has a good Cameron. Yeah. 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 Um. Okay, fine. <laughs> We're talking about the camera. <laughs> We're talking about the camera. It was um, so bad that this inspired us to start yelling at him <laughs> to point we had to give him a name because yelling just a camera uh, a camera wasn't good enough. So it was Cameron, always just, Cameron. <laughs> As we were frantically pushing all the buttons <laughs> to try to get him to face the way he wanted, we're just like, Cameron, can you just, God, I just need to look over there. Can you work with me? That's all I need. Yeah, Cameron, just, ugh. You know how, like, when you have a 3D platformer and it's, like, it gives you some ways to, like, fix the camera or it's on its own, like, auto path. They don't, like, always work. It, yeah. That's what this is. You'll be in like a corner spot that you have to make this like really far jump. And what does Cameron do? Faces you. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, buddy. How are you doing? It's like, I'm fine. Can you turn around a bit? I need to see where I'm going. What? But you're looking so good today, man. Th thank, thanks, Cameron. Thank you've never looked better. Ca Cameron, I, just, I really need, uh -huh. I have a far jump I have to make. I really oh, need to see where I'm going. You can do it, buddy. I believe in you. I'll, I'll be watching uh, you the whole time. Uh, <laughs> Got my uh, eye on you. Cameron, do you want to help me, though? Yeah, I'll help. Can you turn around a little bit? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's exactly yeah. what it's like yeah. <laughs> and it's and it won't just be like that instance but again everybody has had an encounter with a bad camera you know everybody has this is like the bane of like 3d platformers for the longest time mm -hmm. like from the start of mario 64 <clears throat> like yeah. they were really trying their best to make the camera not a hindrance to your gameplay yeah Oh, and, and this one, like, uh, I guess, <laughs> I don't know who, like, playtested it and seemed to have no issues with the camera, but every other review and any other person that I know has played this game has complained about the camera. Like, yeah. it's that bad in this game that people have to complain about it so much. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of times where you will just fall into a big thing of thinner because the camera was facing you or just like not adjusting and then quick it enough. like starts spinning around like crazy and mm. you're like, which way do I go back? <laughs> <laughs> One of those vacuum enemies will like suck you in. But like, again, the camera's like facing you. you so like yeah. you're running into obstacles. You can't like help yourself. Like, oh man, that camera was the worst camera I've ever experienced in a 3D platforming game. And yeah. I've and I've had some bad cameras, but none of them come close to the how horror bad Cameron is. What other bad ones have you experienced, just out of curiosity? Like when you think of bad cameras, if I if you couldn't say Epic Mickey, 
I might have to cut this because I'm, I'm really trying to think. You know, like Mario sixty fours was bad, but we kind of no, it we, wasn't bad. We kind of give it a pass. No, though. it was it was fine compared uh, to some of the other bad. I mean, look, I like Sonic Adventure two, but have you played any three D Sonic games? I've played uh, Generations. Generations is okay. It was better. I've not had my hands on Sonic 06. Sonic Adventure is bad. Sonic Adventure 2 fixed it quite a bit, but Sonic Adventure's camera is bad. Mm. Uh, and Sonic dealing with camera angles has sort of been part of the meme of him in 3D. It's, it's just been difficult. And there are really, outside of like Rareware and Nintendo, I feel like it's a very common thing for if it's just like sort of Gennaro 3D platformer. It's like the camera is not good. There's games I played where like the camera doesn't necessarily follow you that well. Yeah. Um, where like and then to adjust it, you use like shoulder buttons or something, but they move like as slow as molasses, like mm-hmm. on a cold day. And like Ukulele got a lot of camera complaints. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was that bad. Not really. Yeah. I mean, my my test for bad cameras is definitely Epic Mickey. Yeah, it's, <laughs> if it's, it's as bad as Epic yeah. Mickey, then oh boy, it's bad. <laughs> um, and Mario sixty four is not as bad as Epic Mickey's, oh. so I, so I, I say that. Um, yeah, that's and sometimes I play games where like the the camera will like stay on its perspective. So if like if you're if you're walking away. But then you have to make a turn. The mm. camera will like stay on yeah. that perspective. You're just like, oh, come freaking. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you just like, <laughs> all right, we're good. And we keep moving. Oh, we got to turn again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's why I love games that have like a quick recenter, you know? Yeah. Um, that like puts it right behind you, for example. Yeah. Like the those ones. Button. I remember. Um, the Kingdom Hearts 1 did not have this issue, or it did not have this feature, although mm. the camera wasn't all that terrible in, in Kingdom Hearts 1, but the three the, the DS recoded <laughs> for some... Why did I get that game? I don't know. Why, Why do I that? even have that game? Was it that bad? No, but, like, my collection is certainly not grander because I have it. <laughs> Wasn't it, like... Before you were getting married or something like that? Well, yeah, but that's not why I got it. I don't know. Stress buying. <laughs> I need to. I need to buy something. You were desperate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, they they have a, a camera recenter feature on there, uh, which made me do a lot more movements around, like in jumping in the air and and fighting in the air and stuff, while being able to recenter the whole time through. Like it made it easier. Yeah. So basically, yeah, camera epic Mickey horrible it's it, it got it you know when a camera forces you to die several times like that's when a camera is bad that's when it's actually invading the gameplay you yeah. know i remember um this is a personal anecdote uh from dave and i um i was one of my favorite shows of all time as a kid was beast wars transformers <laughs> and one of the main character optimus primal's favorite phrases was well, that's, that's just, just prime. prime. <laughs> and it wasn't just him who said it, right? Yeah, a lot of people would also say it in, like, jest or something, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, um, man, uh, this game forced me to say that a lot. A lot. <laughs> that was that was the time when I got caught on it and pretty, yeah, because you were just saying it all the time. And at because first- it would just be something really obvious that you... That was not obvious. And then he would find it and he's like, that is just prime. <laughs> like like the, the the fetch quest that we were talking about earlier, that's 
all I could say for each of them. Just like, you know, you got to go to Oztown for this. Okay, fine. I, the quest is in Oztown. I do the projector screen, whatever. I go through it. Oh, I need to go back to Mean Street. Well, that's just prime. And then I go, so I, there it is. That means I have to go back to Oztown. Well, that's just prime. prime. And then I do that. I need to go back to Mean Street till the confirm. Well, that's just prime. <sighs> And Cameron forced me to say that a lot too. Yeah. Like I jump, oh, I missed the platform and now I'm in thinner because I couldn't see where I was going. Well, that's, that's just, just pride. pride. <laughs> um, so, and, you know, it's fun to talk about the frustrations, but like I said, th this game is not a bad game, but it did get both of us. And we're about to talk about that right now. Yeah. It did get both of us in a state of frustration that doesn't usually happen to replicate yes uh, that's a good that's a great way of putting it so yeah. in the level where you are in the haunted mansion area which is called lonesome manor um if you're not familiar with disneyland which you probably are if you're a listener of this podcast one of the nine or five listeners we have nine five two <laughs> the, the opening scene of the haunted mansion is that you're inside a room uh, with some paintings around and stuff and then the room mysteriously stretches as well as right. the paintings do. And as the paintings stretch, they reveal like, you know, more like sort of morbid scenes that are happening in this painting. Like there's like a woman like in a tutu um, and then it stretches and you see she's on a tightrope and then it stretches more. and You see she's a tightrope over these hungry alligators. Um, and, you know, other, there are other paintings like that as well. So there's a puzzle in Lonesome Manor where you're in this room where you see all of uh, all the paintings, but they're segmented into three parts and your job is to get them unscrambled. Yeah. Basically once they're unscrambled, then you can move on to the next room. Wasn't there like some platforming behind them or something? Yeah, there was too. Yeah. So the way that the way that you had to do them was you had to thin out the painting and like go inside of like the mechanism behind it and like turn on some gears, which like swap their swap their areas and like swap their positions and whatnot. And then like paint them back in and then rethin them to see like your progress and whatnot. And I was on this puzzle for like an hour straight. Time. We were both absolutely maddened by this puzzle. like dave was probably like doing homework at the same time i was playing and stuff but i'm like yelling the whole time I'm like eventually, i don't understand how to do this i just eventually don't. i was like all right so i'll let a real gamer handle this <laughs> <laughs> and i was like all right so you do you do this here and then you gotta do but no because because the, there's something where like the button you push like move them at the same time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like you had to you had to like think way far ahead and I was like, okay, so this one goes here, but that'll make that one go back here. But I need that over here. It was like a freaking Rubik's cube. <laughs> it was just like, uh, how do you, I can't. And I was just about, we like thought we had it like several times. I was like, Oh no, 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 you do this, this, this. And then it was like, it didn't work. <laughs> there was a, there was a point in time, and I think I think overall we spent two hours on this, an hour each. It's something. And there like was a that. point in time where Dave was like, "You know what? This would be so much easier if we could just go outside the painting and just like move them outside with our melee move." Yeah. And I feel like both of us had tried that, but it didn't work. <laughs> I feel like we both tried it at one point. We we're just kind of like, 
no, yeah, it doesn't work. We have to do it on the inside. We're like, oh, yeah. okay, fine. Uh, we were on this for like a full hour each. We were both just completely Out done. Out of our minds. It was, I mean, we had just had a day at college. Uh, it was already like maybe eight o'clock at night or something. You probably and had to go home. I had to go home, but I'm like, no, because I need a save point <laughs> so that we don't do this puzzle again. Um, and then so finally Dave was like, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try again, just like moving the outside. He thinned out the part of the painting, went back inside the main room, painted it back in. He went up to it. He did the melee move. It worked. It worked. I don't remember. <laughs> to be fair, we might have just been idiots. I'm Well, I'm sure we were. But something about this room did not communicate that to us at all. <laughs> I don't know if it was because the gear was, like, hidden or if it only worked when you painted something in so much. <laughs> but something about that room did not communicate it to us clearly at all. And we were outside of our minds, pulling our hair out, trying to figure out this one stupid puzzle, only to find that it was probably the easiest thing in the world. And so Dave finished it. After he figured out that you can actually move it, we were both speechless. Dave especially did not say a single word. I have never been afraid of Dave in my entire life except for that moment. <laughs> I was earnestly afraid. And so he finished the quest. Time. I slowly took the controller away from his hand. I found a save point. I saved twice. And I, and I said this to him. I was like, Dave, look at me. I'm saving the game right now. I'm going to do it again just in case, and 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 we're going to turn this off. I'm going to go home. We're going to turn this off. All the while, still. He's, like, still staring at the TV and just not saying a word. And so I'm like, all right, Dave, I'm going to go home now. I'm going to leave this right here. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. And he still just didn't say anything. He didn't even say bye. See me to the door <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness yep all happens. all thanks to epic mickey that is like one of the biggest memories of like our friendship that yeah. i uh, that i have and that i hold in like <laughs> fondness too <sighs> so yep. that's that's the big that's the big reason why i wanted to talk about epic mickey today um, what's interesting and what Dave noted the other day or even before we started recording is that for as much hullabaloo as this game had, and especially the, you know, the big homecoming of Oswald, the lucky rabbit, nobody really talks about this game anymore. It's such a weird part of like gaming history. It, it was like Disney's, it was trying to be like Disney is getting into video games and it's going to be big, which like seems like a really big, it felt like Disney was starting to treat video gaming like a serious medium. They had this game starring their flagship character that they traded Al freaking Michaels to NBC <laughs> to get the character rights they needed for the story they were going to tell about this forgotten character and they're going to bring him back in the fold and you got moral choices and they went out and got like a big name like Western gaming developer to direct. It, it was like a big deal. They poured a lot of money into this and it felt like if this game does well, we could have one of the premier, like, storytelling and big-name, like, organizations in the world, like, really into video gaming. And this was a time in college when I was all about, like, 
video games as an artistic medium and what they are capable of. So like, yeah, like I want this, like that would be cool. And I don't want to get too far outside Epic Mickey. Cause maybe someday <laughs> Saul, can you imagine a world where we actually played Epic Mickey too? It is a co-op game after all. No thanks. <laughs> Come on. No thanks. Look, if you guys in a world where we get the big time, I can see <laughs> us playing Epic Mickey too. No thanks. <laughs> we'll do it. Here's the good make news, that Dave. A, make that Here's a the good news, Dave. On our Patreon. Here's the good news, Dave. We're not big time. <laughs> not yet. <sighs> in any case, <laughs> Epic Mickey. So this. It was like from the outset was planned to be a trilogy, this game, uh, part of a trilogy, obviously. And so when this game did well, they got to work on a sequel, uh, Epic Mickey 2, The Power of Two, which is not a very catchy title, but whatever. <laughs> this was supposed that, to be. Isn't that the name of the song in Pokemon 1, The Power of One? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't hey. think that's what they're going for, but whatever. So. It was kind of, and so Epic Mickey did well. Uh, it got a sequel. I think it sold like 2 million copies or something like that, like something in excess of that. So, like, it did well, especially for just being on one system, albeit the Wii, which was like the system for this game and like the best selling system of that generation. Um, but Epic Mickey 2 came out and it was just kind of worse. It didn't fix the problems that Epic Mickey had, like the camera and like the platforming and like. Some of the other issues that were just kind of, eh, whatever. It was just kind of the same game, but not as good. And Oswald's mechanic, well, he was like your partner. That was where, like, the two-player co-op came in. Like, his mechanic was kind of weird and not as not as good as Mickey's. Like, you didn't both get a paintbrush. Like, he just got a button, which affected certain <laughs> enemies and, like, environments. It's like, okay. It was like the tails. You were like, oh, you know, your little brother was like, you can be tails, I guess. You're not, you don't do anything important. It's like, oh, no. even though I love tails and like you used him to kill all the bosses because he was immortal. Uh, but anyway, and so that game, that game launched on four consoles. It was Xbox 360, PS3, Wii, and Wii U. And it just got. And there was a version for 3DS as well. Was there really? There was. It was like really, really like scaled down though. Oh wow, I didn't actually know that. Yeah, um, I I just only remember because I played a demo of it and I was like, wow, this is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. But you know, this is where all of like Disney Interactive's like money and focus was going into. Um and so when that game came out, it bombed. Mm. Like they were expecting around two million sales. I think it sold like six hundred thousand or something Ouch. like that. They had poured like millions of dollars into development because like the production quality i think we mentioned this in this production quality in these games is good like it's orchestrated music and like all the visuals are nice and yeah for all its hardware limitations it really looked nice on the wii yeah it looked good it was fun to look at sure it was like kind of dark and edgy and you were talking about the issues you had <laughs> so <laughs> well, eventually yeah, okay, yeah. eventually i just gave this to solomon uh because it was for him. Like, this was a game for him. And we never finished it in college. Uh, so I wanted to give it to him to give him the chance to finish and to play through. And so I sent it to him when he was in South Carolina. And so, well, you can tell the story. Well, basically, I at this point, I think I already finished it, though. Maybe not at Dave's house, but I did finish it um, and was pretty whelmed by the ending. <laughs> not over or under, just whelmed. Um, and gave it back to Dave because it belonged to him. And then for for Christmas, my first year out in South Carolina, he sent it to me. I was like, that's really nice. Like, you know, he's like, you know, because this game was like really for you anyways. 
And I thought I thought that was really sweet. After that, also my wife was like, "Oh, sweet! Now I get to play it now." Because she is as big a Disneyland nerd, if not more, <laughs> if not more. Because uh, she's the one who who helped me drink the Disneyland Kool Aid, like initially. <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, she uh, she was excited because she could play it again or finally get to. But I don't know if it was my TV or or whatever. But like that game gets dark color like speaking in colors and, and brightness like it, yeah. it's really dark and it's like what are you supposed to do when like you can't even see your own character <laughs> or even if you can you don't know if this is you know a pathway is it death what is this right yeah so eventually she was like i can't play this game <laughs> and so she never did yeah in fact now she she keeps on saying like you know once i get more time like i'd really like to play through epic mickey and i'd be like I'd love for you too if you can actually see it. And she's and like, "Yeah, you can find it." <laughs> Lost my Christmas gift to you, Saul. So. Oh, it's here somewhere, Dave. <laughs> it's here somewhere. Anyway, we got kind of distracted. So the production value in these games is high, and so when you have a sequel like Epic Mickey Two sell like six hundred thousand copies, that's not going to cut the mustard. So eventually, that failure led not only to uh, War Inspector being canned basically and his <laughs> studio at the time being closed down but all of disney interactive being closed <laughs> down disney interactive no longer exists thanks in part you can't say thanks to epic mickey because it did its part but thanks to what it started mm -hmm. uh this was this was disney going all in and when it didn't work out in the sequel it was all out so disney is not only no longer making epic mickey games but they're just out of the video game business Basically entirely, mm. and that's kind of a shame. Um, you know, we've gotten some things like the DuckTales remaster, and Kingdom Hearts is still around, but you're not going to see that Disney Interactive logo mm. on it anymore. It's, just, it's straight Square's baby. So, yeah. I, I remember I had a, uh, a, an, an a CD-ROM animated storybook of Toy Story. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those where, like, it just tells you the story, but, like, you can click on things and it does funny things, mm -hmm. right? I loved that though. And but like before there was this big big hype hullabaloo logo for Disney Interactive. Yeah. So even just hearing that name Disney Interactive, I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. I still remember seeing that logo on like the Lion King or like the mm -hmm. old SNES games and mm -hmm. stuff. It's a shame. So Dave, are we recommending this game for anybody? If you really like Disneyland, you going through Wasteland for those people who are like really attached to Disneyland is a treat, right? Would you say that's fair? Yeah, because they it seemed like they were thinking of me and by then, like even adding in like the things like the Jade Elephant. I'm just sort of like nobody would ever to think to put this in here yeah. because nobody ever goes to Gibson Girl to see the Jade Elephant, <laughs> especially not now. It's, uh. it, it's got a lot of references, things that don't exist it like the people movers and mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. not tomorrowland whatever tomorrow world well to be fair called. the people mover is in disney world it's not in disneyland anymore, but it used but to be in disneyland yeah that's what i'm saying it's it's got reference to things that just aren't in the park anymore yeah, like yeah old yeah. school type stuff and mm -hmm. there's other things like that too um even if it wasn't at the time like the gibson girl elephant so but again, that's really only if you're as much a loser as me. And a lot of the a lot of the like side collectibles, like the e-tickets or like the film reels, will like get you access to like watching old school Mickey cartoons mm -hmm. or like a uh, pin collecting, which is the thing in Disneyland. Um, it is. And you get the little pins. I I like the pins in Disneyland. I try to buy one every time I go, just like for memories. But you know, it's got a lot of that little nostalgia stuff. So if you're a Disney fan, like a big Disney, like a, specifically a Disneyland fan, really. Um, 
this game has got a lot for you. And it's not a bad, like, collect-a-thon adventure platformer, you know? But it's, it's not good enough that now, seven years after its release, I would recommend you to go on GameStop online and find it and dust off your Wii or whatever <laughs> to play it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. It's a flawed game. It's not the worst in the world. You'll probably have some fun with it. Yeah. I mean, when I think back on it, I can think of the, like, if I if I go back and, you know, not play it, but watch a long play of it, you know, I hear old sound effects and I hear, like, the music and stuff, and I remember some nice times. And, and that's really nice. Like, the cutscenes are all, like, this neat 2D animation that's, mm-hmm. like, referenced to, like, old concept art for the Mickey cartoons. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's got a lot of heart in it, really. Um like, all the way through. It's got a lot of heart and a lot of emotion. So this game didn't kill Disney Interactive. But no. the, the the things that they didn't... The problems in this game that they didn't fix kind of wound up doing it. Yeah. So so play it if you want, but beware. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. I, I If you... <laughs> If you told me you played it, which I would be shocked if you told me you played it because of this, but if you told me you played it <laughs> and you got like two worlds in, you're like, yeah, I never finished it and I never planned to. It's like, yeah, yeah, you probably got as much of an experience. Like if the, if I was the completionist, I would give this game a rating of play it. You just pop mm-hmm. it in, you play it a little bit, and then eventually you're not going to want to play it anymore. Yeah. But it's fine. You got to experience it, and there's things in there worth experiencing. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's pretty fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look at that again. We we managed to to, to do a we whole hour on this. Wow. I really I really need to stop not believing that we can ever talk about anything for a full hour. We're Just really help. good about gapping. We're pretty long winded. I think. <laughs> I guess so. we are long in our wind. Especially me. <laughs> well, you whatever. All right, <laughs> All right. Take us home. All right. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you've played this game before, please drop us a line. Um, you know, let us know if you've experienced the same things or, you know, if this happened to inspire you to play the game, what is wrong with you? But, you know, but, but sure, still just let us know about that. We'd love to hear it from you. Yeah. Special thanks, uh, once again, and and as always to, uh, Danny Barrett Huvert for a wonderful artwork. And to the combined efforts of OC Remix, Rob KTA, and Expert Novice for the intro and outro music. Uh, and- side, I remember this side note. Uh, this should be coming out the week before Thanksgiving. Going forward, we're definitely going to try to roll back our production schedule a little bit. Specifically for the holidays, you're not going to get. We're not going to have an episode Thanksgiving week, and then for Christmas, we're not going to have one then. Uh, I think we're probably going to move to something that where we schedule uh, sort of one missed week per month. Just to give us a little breathing room um, and also to acknowledge any holidays that month or anything like that, to give us a little time off. So plan for at least one miss a month from here on out. Uh, Hopefully you're not too devastated by that. But somehow somehow I think you'll make it. Um, (laughs) Other side note, this should actually be coming out uh, right around the time when Epic Mickey first released, November 20th. That's cute. Fun fact. Anyway. Mm, focusing on our lack of listeners sometimes hurts. And eh, whatever. <laughs> we love you people who do listen, mostly because we know all y'all already. But if you listen and we don't know you, then we'd like to know you better. We don't know you half as well as we'd like. <laughs> we like less than half you have as well as you deserve. All right. References. Getting out of here. References. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> all right. We'll see you on the next one. Take care.